Thank you for listening to this Podcast One production. Now available on Apple Podcasts, Podcast One, Spotify, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. <sighs> Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary. Hey, everybody. President Trump capped off an amazing convention. All while Nancy Pelosi is saying that Joe Biden should not debate, Joe Biden actually might campaign again. And it was an incredible cap to the Republican National Convention. We have all the instant response. It is about 2 o'clock Eastern right now. By the time we edit this episode, it'll be 4.30 Eastern or 5 a.m. East Coast time. But we want to make sure you guys have the episode because we work harder than any other podcast team out there. And if you guys just want to chip in a little bit to help support our hardworking team, just go to charliekirk.com slash support, charliekirk.com slash support. Chip in what you can, $50, $100, $5, $10. Become a monthly supporter. Email me your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Buckle up, everybody. What a week. Here we go. Charlie, what you've done is incredible here. Maybe Charlie Kirk is on the college campus. I want you to know we are lucky to have Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk's running the White House, folks. I want to thank Charlie. He's an incredible guy. His spirit, his love of this country. He's done an amazing job building one of the most powerful youth organizations ever created, Turning Point USA. We will not embrace the ideas that have destroyed countries, destroyed lives, and we are going to fight for freedom on campuses across the country. That's why we are here. Hey, everybody. What a evening. Apologize for kind of the... uh, Shuffled look here in the last minute live stream. We would have gone live right after the president left the stage, but I was there. I was there just a couple rows away from the president of the United States. Uh, Don Jr., Eric, Ivanka, Jared, they were all there. Uh, Ivanka gave a phenomenal introduction of her father, our president, our 45th president of the United States, President Donald Trump. And I would have been here much earlier in this uh, production room that we have for you, but a violent mob. A riot broke out uh, outside of the White House. It seems as if the rioters wanted to confirm everything that President Trump talked about in his speech. So if you guys did not catch the speech, it was hard to miss. It was on every single social media feed. It was on radio across the country, on television across the country. But I thought it was one of the most comprehensive promises made, promises kept speeches I've ever heard a politician give, Republican or Democrat Doesn't matter. I mean, President Trump went line by line of how he has delivered results for the American people. Uh, Some of the most effective parts of the evening was when he was talking about how he was a different type of politician. Karl Rove gave a great analysis. He said there were 5,680 words in total uh, in this speech. 564 of them were going after Biden, uh, about 10% of the speech. 401 of them were talking about a second term, essentially what he's going to do in the second term. 1,200 words were about the traditional America or American exceptionalism, about 20%, which is phenomenal. I was so pleased to see this emphasis on our country as the greatest country ever to exist in the history of the world, why we're a different country, why we are exceptional, and why we have to fight for what is exceptional continued in our country. 956 words on promises made, promises kept, 831 words on law and order, and 636 words on a defense of how the president responded to the Chinese coronavirus. So here are a couple key lines. First of all, I just want to say, 
the president of the United States continued to call the virus the China virus. Now, I'm not one to take credit for anything, but even liberal reporters can trace back my tweet of the president, quote, tweeting my calling the China virus, the China virus, and the president using that wordage up until his convention speech today. Very pleased to see it. One of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite speeches the entire evening, my favorite lines the entire evening that got the entire place laughing was for 47 years, Joe Biden took the donations of blue collar workers, gave them hugs and even kisses. And then there was just this amazing pause. And Donald Trump said, it's true. It's true. And he told them he felt their pain. And then he flew back to Washington and voted to ship their jobs to China and many other distant lands. So the reason I like this so much is the president is really zeroing in on the states that are going to get him reelected. Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Michigan, not just talking about Malibu and Manhattan wishless items, but actually zeroing in on the states that have previously felt the pain of the Obama and Biden administration and are going to hopefully re-embrace the president going to November. One of my other favorite lines is when the president said, Joe Biden's agenda is made in China. My agenda is made in the USA. Such a powerful line. The president also said, we understand America is not a land cloaked in darkness. America is the torch that enlightens the entire world. See, this framing with the flags and the backdrop in the White House was an unapologetic defense of this gift that we have been given. Now, we talk about that quite a lot here on The Charlie Kirk Show, this gift of generations before us that sacrifice so much that we can live the American way of life. It was really amazing. I just got to be honest with you guys. I'm 26 years old. Here I am sitting on the White House lawn, 75 degrees outside. Around me are U.S. senators and secretaries of cabinet, cabinet secretaries, very influential people and members of business. And the president comes to give the final speech of the convention. And I look up at him, I say, I gave the first speech of this convention. That was really cool, to be honest with you. I mean, 26-year-old who didn't go to college, have the opportunity to say, I started this convention, and now he finishes off this convention. Only in America is a story like that possible, everybody. Only in America could a kid not go to college. Could a kid pursue his own dream and destiny, open up a Republican National Convention, and then sit front row, center stage for the president to accept that nomination. It's remarkable. It really is. It was such an uplifting speech. And the president was honest about what would happen if Joe Biden assumed power and the Biden Democrats would actually be able to implement their agenda on a state and local and federal level. CNN was very quick with their push notification. Trump's acceptance speech analysis. The president tried to sell a reality that simply doesn't exist and delved into dark premonitions. Should Biden win? The president said this, quote, in America, we don't turn to government to restore our, restore our souls. We put our faith in almighty God. Joe Biden is not the savior of America's soul. He is the destroyer of America's jobs. And if given the chance, he'll be the destroyer of American greatness. That one paragraph, let me read that again. In America, we don't turn to government to restore our souls. Yes, our rights are given to us by God, not by government. This, the president went out of his way to mention people of faith so many different times throughout this speech. The president mentioned how the Democrats removed the phrase under God from their Pledge of Allegiance. And President Trump said, we put faith in Almighty God. 
this idea that we get our rights from a supernatural power, that it's not Joe Biden, it's not Barack Obama, it's not even Donald Trump that gives us our rights. Instead, we put them there to protect our rights. That is why I stand by the imagery of Donald Trump being the bodyguard of Western civilization. And then President Trump beautifully completed the paragraph. And the linguistics of this speech, the diction of this speech, was Donald Trump at his very best. He's the destroyer of America's jobs. And if given the chance, he'll be the destroyer of American greatness. Beautifully put and true and honest. Last month, I took on Big Pharma. And then he got very humorous, not the right word. He just, he, he just embraced his, he embraced how he can make fun of every situation. He says, you think that's easy? It's not. One of the best quotes from the president. You see, the American people believe that there is a broken insider cartel that exists within our government between big business, between big government bureaucrats, between people within the deep state, people that have spied on our president, people that invade other countries on our behalf without ever victory being in sight. And so when the president frames himself as the advocate for the little man up against corporate America, up against big war, up against big business, this is a winning message. Ivanka also talked about this as well. She said, you must be doing something right because big pharma is really coming after us. That is a winning message. You see, what really happened tonight was quite profound. If the activist media had any sort of honesty or integrity within their capacity for reporting, they would have talked about how tonight was one of the most profound political realignment moments in American history. You don't see political realignments happen very often. You see, political realignments are when parties take new positions that were previously held by the opposition party, and they take stances that sometimes might be popular or might not be popular, but this is actual interesting political reporting. This is stuff that the activist media should be doing. So the Democrat Party tonight officially became the party of endless and limitless foreign wars. They became the party of big corporations and the party of suppressed speech and the party of endless violence. Whereas the Republican Party has now become the party of middle class workers, the party of ending the endless wars and the party of taking on big corporations. Did you just see what I saw? Just that happened in real time. The Democrats who have been using the most amount of energy and narrative from the grassroots base to try to capture people to go up against corporations wrongly from a government control standpoint. This is a very important philosophical difference. We as Republicans don't want to abolish these corporations. We as conservatives or Trump supporters, as I should say, or constitutionalists don't want to get rid of all these companies. Instead, we don't want these companies to have favored regulatory access. We don't want them to be able to have bureaucrats that they can have accessibility to. We don't want them to be able to use their incumbency to go after the American worker, whereas the Democrats just want to use legislative power to almost nationalize them, to almost turn them into kleptocratic chosen few companies that contribute to their campaigns and really harm the American people and the American worker. So we saw a we saw a big, big's not the right term. We saw a historic political recalibration happen in front of our eyes where the Republican Party, with the reacceptance of President Trump or the acceptance of him being the Republican nominee, we saw the Republican Party reassert and double down on being the party of middle class work the party of family, 
the party of believing in a God and defending that belief, the party of freedom of speech, the party of what would once be called liberal values. Quietly and without almost anyone in the media mentioning it, the activist media, and not even the media, I don't expect this out of them. What's been the most disappointing thing is the prognosticators and the pundits and the professional political people that we put on television that just, just have become so boring. They don't even mention like, wow, something really profound happened tonight. Donald Trump's bragging about how private corporations are attacking Republicans. That's a really big deal. And I'm not saying it's a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's a good thing. But that's just a really profound moment because Republicans traditionally were the party of big business. Republicans traditionally were the party of massive corporations and saying, we built that too. I want to just take you back in time. For Mitt Romney's 2012 acceptance convention, Mitt Ra- I was there. I snuck in with Bill Montgomery, may he rest in peace, an American hero, where we were there. And I remember pointing it out to Bill and I saw on the side of the convention, it said, yes, we did build that, which was a, was a rebuttal to Barack Obama saying, you didn't build that. Somebody else made that happen. Now, that message that Mitt Romney had was true, but was different about it or what was not really resonant about it. It was a pro-corporate argument. It was a pro-business owner argument. So in other words, most people are not business owners. They're not. Most people just want to live quiet and peaceable lives that it tells us in First Timothy. Most people just want to build middle-class families and be able to have their kids have a little bit better life than they have. And so you go from the party in 2012 that was unapologetically pro-corporate America at all costs, talking about tax cuts and talking about regulation, which President Trump did touch on, where now you have President Trump and his daughter who introduced him bragging that a private company is attacking him. This is where the Republican Party lost their way post-Reagan, that not every single corporation under the sun is worthy of worship. Not every single company that just has LLC behind it is necessarily doing the right thing just because it's in a market. I'm a Milton Friedman guy. I love free markets. I think free markets are the only moral economic system ever discovered. I love entrepreneurs. I I love private property. But we should not turn this into dogmatic belief where if you dare speak out against a singular company, you're somehow in violation and you're a heretic. That's wrong. In fact, that's sloppy thinking and that's lazy thinking. President Trump reaffirmed that he is willing to defy the political orthodoxy and the status quo. I thought that was one of the most profound moments of the entire night, a philosophical recalibration. The president also bragged about ending endless wars. We talked about this in the previous episodes throughout the week, where the Republican Party is now the party of ending foreign conflicts, not starting foreign conflicts, where under Joe Biden and Barack Obama, they started new wars, the war in Libya, the conflict in Syria the unrest all across the Middle East, allowing Russia to annex Crimea, allowing North Korea to launch missiles with no recourse. So President Trump ends foreign wars. Joe Biden and Barack Obama started calamities all across the globe. So where the Republican Party traditionally would have been is more bombs, the better, fire up the aircraft carriers. We want to see the Tomahawk missiles fly. We love conflict. This is where George W. Bush I don't want to say they love conflict, but they, th- they were very neoconservative in their foreign policy approach, right? It's a real politic way of looking at things. And that's a, th- that's a deeper podcast for a different time. Whereas Donald Trump taking a pro-American, a patriotic approach said, what are we getting out of these foreign wars? Sand and death. I'm going to end these wars where we have troops coming home. Another very popular position. The president in those two elements, 
challenging corporate tyranny, especially when it comes to the pharmaceutical companies, a very popular position, and challenging the endless wars and nation building that we seemingly have just indulged ourselves in for the last couple decades, really differentiated himself philosophically where people might have been watching this and they might be Democrats and they sit up straight and they say, I like that. That's very interesting. The second most powerful part of the entire evening, minus the president's speech, was this montage. And I already texted and I actually tweeted the Trump campaign. And I told all of them, I said, you guys got to run this as an ad where they had all these former Democrats and they had one in particular. And we're going to show this next week on our, one of our live streams or one of our shows. We'll play it. We don't have the opportunity to play it tonight because I literally just had to run outside of the White House and avoid a couple thousand protesters that wanted to rip my head off just so I could be with you guys tonight and give you this instant analysis. But there was this amazing young man who had double earrings, kind of looked like a liberal. He said he was a democratic socialist. And he said something that was so interesting to me, and I caught it. And again, the activist media, they've been blinded. So they almost, they've almost stopped their capacity to deliver any form of analysis that is meaningful or fair. And so this young man in this video who was there tonight and uh, some people that I, I was with had an opportunity to meet him, really nice young man. And he said, I have not changed my beliefs. I've realized that President Trump better embraces them than the Democrats. He said, I'm a free speech guy. President Trump is for freedom of ideas. I'm an anti-war guy. I've always hated war. President Trump better embraces that than the Democrats. And I thought just that little snippet, that little vignette was so powerful. The president did not give the traditional Republican talking point speech. And that's why he's so worthy of your support. That's why I get so excited for his presidency. That's why I get excited for four more years. If you watch this program and you listen to our podcast, and by the way, you guys can email us your questions, freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. And if we select your question, we'll take a couple tonight. You guys get a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. But one of the reasons that, and if you guys watch our program, as I was saying, you guys know that I'm very critical. I'm harshly critical of members of the Republican Party that do not fight. I am very critical of traditional Republican politics. I love individuals in the party that challenge the status quo, that ask why we've we been doing these things. And if you have a good answer, then let's keep doing them. But if you don't have a good answer, let's put pause, press pause or go in a different direction. And tonight for me, from a philosophical political standpoint, political science standpoint, I saw in real time, I said, the party has changed and that's a good thing. No more are we going to be the party that says, at all costs, we are going to trade with our enemies, even if it destroys the American middle class. No longer are we going to be a party that just goes to appease the activist media or bows to corporate tyranny. That's my biggest takeaway from tonight that is deeper than what you're just going to hear in the activist media. The president also said, quote, if the Democrat Party wants to stand with anarchists, agitators, rioters, looters, flag burners, that is up to them. But I, as your president, will not be part of it. The Republican Party will remain the voice of the patriotic heroes who keep America safe. Another beautifully fit paragraph. This is what we call agreeable politics. You try to get the audience to agree with you as you are giving the speech. No one wants to actually call themselves an anarchist, an agitator, a rioter, a looter, or a flag burner. Those people are out there, but they're probably less than 1% of the population. They're the true 1%. And they are the base of the Democrat Party. They are the base of the enthusiasm that keeps the Democrats in power. The President Trump was able to appeal to decent, reasonable people. 
I thought the president did a great job in his demeanor tonight as well. He did not treat tonight like a Make America Great Again rally, which is important, by the way. You have to fire up the base. Instead, he, ta- he treated tonight as a stoic address to give Americans a view at the presidency that they might not otherwise had. The president also said this, Americans build the future. They don't tear down the past. Here's the juxtaposition. Barack Obama actually won because he was a future-pointed candidate. President Trump is surging in the polls, and President Trump is doing a lot better in the battleground states because he's actually talking more about the future, not destroying the past. Past, looking into the future, how do we build a more sustainable tomorrow for our children? Other topics he talked about, 300 federal judges and two Supreme Court justices, Kavanaugh and Gorsuch. He hit on Kenosha. Thank you, Mr. President, for hitting on Kenosha. And some of the lies around Kenosha I'll get to in just one second. But this young man who was arrested for first-degree murder, I'm not going to say that he did nothing wrong, but if you watch the videotape, one could make the argument in a legal setting that he was defending himself, that he was chased down in the streets. Now, whether he should have been there or not with an AR-15 is a separate question. If the police were allowed to do their job and we had National Guard, he probably would not have been allowed there anyway, and these riots would not be happening in the first place. However, if we're honest with ourselves, that was not first-degree murder. You need to have means, you need to have method, and you need to have a premeditation. And yet the media is going after this young man who likely will have his charges dropped in court if he has any sort of defense Team that is understands how to defend the innocent or the overcharged. Those are two different things. Def- innocent and the owner charged. Overcharged. Now, Democrats were, have been driven in the last couple of weeks to talk about how they're going to give free stuff to illegals. President Trump talked about this. Democrats drive to give health care to illegal aliens. President Trump said, we're going to put our people first. I love when the president talked about, quote, they spied on my campaign and they got caught. I'm pleased that, they, that he said this. It forced a conversation for the activist media to say, oh, no, he actually didn't get spied and he didn't get caught. Well, no, he did. He got spied on and Barack Obama did it and Joe Biden also did it. The president also mentioned cancel culture many times. Again, I'm not a huge fan of the term, but I understand why the president mentioned it. And it's very understandable as to why the president made this a key part of his speech, because 71% of Americans are afraid to speak their mind without political retaliation. Probably where I jumped up the most, it was so funny when I did this, Ivanka, Jared, Dan Scavino, Hope Hicks, Don Jr. and all of them kind of looked around. They're like, who is screaming like this? When President Trump talked about free speech on college campuses, I just leapt out of my chair. I said, yes, because we had a very big role in the president signing that executive order for freedom of speech on college campuses. And this was a 70 minute speech compared to Biden's 24 minute speech. It was about American exceptionalism, our shared history, our shared stories, and our identity as a country, not a racial identity, unlike the Democrats that focus on racial identity, but an identity of ideas, of shared culture, and a shared people. One of the other fun moments of the night was when the president glanced back at the White House. He said, we're here and they're not. Kind of trolling the Democrats. It was epic and it got them so mad. See, the left is so enraged that he was doing this speech at the White House. They said he's violating the Hatch Act. Now, this is nonsense. The president of the United States is allowed to campaign in his official role. 
the Republican National Committee, they paid for all of the lighting and the things around it. And, I, and we're going to get even more details that in coming days. Chief of Staff Mark Meadows on Wednesday dismissed all that growing criticism about the president's use of the White House as a political backdrop, calling it a light of, lot of hoopla being raised because mainly, quote, mainly because the convention has so, been so unbelievably successful. No, nobody outside the Beltway, Beltway cares. In fact, the American people were pleased to see people there tonight praising the president, enjoying an evening in front of the White House. So the media was also really upset that the president did this with a pack house without masks. Oliver Darcy said this, people across the country have sacrificed so much. They've shut down their businesses and slowed to spread. They've postponed weddings. They've grieved in solitude and been able, unable to hold funerals for loved ones. What a feeling it must be for them to see the president host this party. Then he got absolutely torn by Rachel Bovard on Twitter. She said, you know, there's a five, there's a 50,000 person march in D.C. tomorrow. You know that there's 50,000 people coming to D.C. tomorrow for a march. Of course, are organized by Al Sharpton. This Friday's march is dubbed the, quote, get your knee off our next march. They must be talking about Democrats who have their knee on black people. Democrats have had their knee on black people for quite some time, which will take place in Washington, D.C. as the region continues to navigate the Chinese coronavirus. The March on Washington organizers initially thought at least 100,000 people would gather, but a permit issued Tuesday indicates they now expect about 50,000 people will attend, probably even less than that. So now Joe Biden did exactly what I predicted last night here on The Charlie Kirk Show. If you guys listen intently to The Charlie Kirk Show, you know that I made a prediction and I said that Joe Biden is going to start blaming the riots on Donald Trump in 24 hours or less. I said in 24 hours, he's going to come out and start blaming the riots on President Trump. And just as if we had a crystal ball, not that as if I'm able to prophesy, it's just very predictable because Don Lemon did that whole diatribe and Don Lemon is kind of just speaking to the entire Biden campaign when he does his daily Skype call on CNN that no one watches except the Biden campaign. He said this, Joe Biden tweeted this or Joe Biden staffer tweeted this while Joe Biden was napping. Remember, every example of violence Donald Trump decries has happened on, on his watch, under his leadership, during his presidency. Now, remember, the 10 most violent cities in America are all run by Democrats, and they have been for decades. They control the budgets and the policies that affect our police. There's not been a Republican mayor of Chicago since 1931. There's not been a Republican mayor of Atlanta since the 1800s. The Democrats control the city council. They control who controls the police. They control all of this. They have to call in the federal troops. Unless the president of the United States signs the Insurrection Act, he can only defend federal buildings. The president, I think, should sign the Insurrection Act, but it's a huge move, hotly debated, widely disagreed with. And so if the president does not sign the Insurrection Act and these local officials do not call in federal help, it's on them. Joe Biden, it's on your party in Minneapolis, Seattle, Portland, Chicago, New York. You guys own this. You guys own it when black businesses burn. You guys own it when black families are torn apart. You guys own it when there's black on black violence, not President Trump. President Trump is offering help. President Trump is trying to lessen the crime in our inner cities. President Trump is trying to be there for all this crime and all this arson. And until he signs the Insurrection Act, which I do support as a dramatic measure, it's not on President Trump at all whatsoever. It's not. It's on Democrat mayors and Democrat city council. Find me one city that is burning right now that has a Republican mayor, that has a Republican city council, that has Republican aldermen, that has Republican state representatives or Republican state senators. It doesn't exist. Whether it be Chicago, whether it be Kenosha, whether it be Minneapolis, all Democrats all across. 
Here are some numbers on how successful the Republican National Convention has been. The New York Post, quote, the opening night of the 2020 Republican Convention that I was honored to speak at blew last week's Democrat snooze fest out of the water, drawing in six times more viewers on C-SPAN's live stream. Approximately 440,000 people tuned in to watch the first night of the virtual GOP convention on Monday, compared to just 76,000 views for the first night of the DNC, according to a Hill report. The RNC on night one, six to 10 times higher ratings and 10 times the live stream views. And if you're watching on live stream and you guys want to win a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine, please email us your question right now. All you have to do is email us freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com, and you could win one of the 10 signed copies of The MAGA Doctrine we have waiting right for you. Freedom at charliekirk.com. Email us your question right now. There are some other phenomenal parts of the evening. My friend, Jerron Smith, I thought he gave an incredible tribute. It's hard to go and speak. It's not easy. And, you know, the leftist media is coming after him so aggressively. I just want to say, Jerron, we stand with you. I saw you watching yourself. We're proud of you. And God bless you. He's a great guy. He talked about growing up in Cleveland, coming from a family of the forgotten men and women that President Trump promised to fight for. And as a black man, he said he never knew the truth about Republicans growing up. Then was Jeff Van Drew, the former Democrat congressman from South Jersey, who's now a Republican from South Jersey. It wasn't the Democrat Party that left him. No, no, no. It was the Democrat Party that left him. He did not leave the Democrat Party. Let me phrase that correctly. He, he kept his positions the same. It's the Democrat Party that left him. He raised the question, would Joe Biden be willing and most importantly able to stand up against the radical forces of the extremist left the way he did during impeachment? I think we all know the answers to that. The convention then went into a powerful video, as I mentioned, of former Democrats. And I mentioned this, and I just want to say this quote because I said this very kind of off the cuff, but it's from a former Bernie Sanders supporter. I met this young man tonight. Quote, I've always been opposed to war. Now President Trump is the anti-war candidate by a mile. I've always been pro-free speech. Now President Trump is the only one standing up for free speech by a mile. Then Dana White came. I love Dana White. He's a man's man. His whole sport is brutal combat. And... I think he delivered a phenomenal speech. It was intense. It was directed to the men in our country. I'm not saying that women would not resonate with it, but I don't think he used Dana White to win over suburban voters. I think that's probably pretty fair. I think that's more Ivanka or Nikki Haley or Christy Nome. I think they did a great job. But I think Dana White was like, hey, men of America, step up and take back your country from these people that are destroying it. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I think it's phenomenal messaging and very important. So Dana White, he gave a very powerful monologue on the need to reopen sports and how tirelessly the president worked to achieve that goal. He said, quote, President Trump may be the only president in modern times who has actually done everything he promised to do in his campaign. And look, Dana White is the best league president in the country, maybe the world. He's a total patriot, unlike Roger Goodell, unlike... The guy that runs the NBA is at Adam Silver, who's a total anti-American, pro-Chinese agent. Or the guy that runs baseball. I get them all confused. I, I, I still think like Bud Selig runs baseball. Maybe he does. Anyway, we'll, we'll, get the, I, it's, we'll get the exact names. Dana White has the courage to stand with the president, talk about reopening sports. I loved it. It was intense. You could see just how, how he animated he was getting about it. And for fans of UFC and of anything that has to do with Dana White, he was very persuasive. I got a ton of positive feedback from that. Also, the probably one of the things that stole the evening tonight was Anne Dorn, who is the widow of David Dorn, a very touching tribute to a man who is all about service. 38 years in the St. Louis Metropolitan Police Department and six years as chief of police in the Mullion Acres Police Department, a small community outside of St. Louis. On June 2nd, four officers were shot and others were hit with rocks and fireworks. 
She said this, Looters killed him in cold blood and live-streamed his execution and his last moments on earth. My hope having you relive this moment with me now will help shake the country from this nightmare that we're witnessing in our cities and bring about positive, peaceful change. Violence and destruction are not a legitimate form of protest. So David Dorn was killed by thugs, criminals. Did we shut down any sports leagues for him? Did LeBron James take a knee for David Dorn? Did the Major League Baseball self-righteous hypocrites walk off the field for David Dorn? Did we paint a plaza that said David Dorn Life's Matters? Did corporations donate hundreds of millions of dollars for David Dorn? No. Because David Dorn's life does not matter to BLM. It doesn't matter to LeBron James. It doesn't matter to Joe Biden. They don't mention it. They don't mention it at all. And what's incredible, if you want to know the biggest difference on the racial issue in America, do you know that both the Democrat Party and the Republican Party mentioned George Floyd, his name, and also Breonna Taylor's name? However, only the Republican Party mentioned David Dorn's name. Which party actually cares about all lives? Which party actually cares about the innocent? But a black cop being shot in the street does not matter to the Democrat Party. It's an inconvenience. It's an obstacle. It's an annoyance to LeBron James. To LeBron James, a black American, David Dorn, who's a police officer, is the enemy. LeBron James won't say anything about it. Instead, he'll tweet in all caps how they need to cancel the NBA season. David Dorn is worthy of remembrance. He's worthy of learning from. Because looters killed him in cold blood. They killed him in cold blood because BLM Incorporated decided that they have to go riot and loot our entire country. We decent, reasonable people that are growing very thin with the arson of America, we have a pressure release valve. That pressure release valve is re-electing President Donald Trump. That pressure release valve for us is not going in the streets. It's not. It's not involving ourselves with this chaos. I just avoided these lunatics. They're very angry, very bitter, very loud. Wanted to tear my head off. In fact, I'm still hearing police sirens as I'm recording this right now. I don't know if you guys can hear this. They're literally circling the police for these maniacs in Washington. No, our presser release valve is going to the polls. It's registering voters. It's turning the family members and saying, we don't do that, but we vote. The founding fathers gave us voting. They gave us the process of showing up in a, to cast a vote, ballot box. Because they didn't want civil insurrection, like the Democrats are supporting. Joe Biden and his campaign bailed out support, bailed out BLM. I'm getting the statistics right now. The Joe Biden staff donated to a group that pays bail in riot-torn Minneapolis. From Reuters, May 30th, 2020. Campaign staff for Democrat presidential candidate Joe Biden are advertising their donations to a group that pay pays bail fees in Minneapolis after the city's police jailed people protesting the killing of a black man by a white police officer. At least 13 Biden campaign staff members posted on Twitter on Friday and Saturday that they made donations to the Minnesota Freedom Fund, which opposes the practice of cash bail or making people pay to avoid pre-trial imprisonment. The group uses donations to pay bail fees in Minneapolis. Biden campaign spokesman Andrew Bates said in a statement that it's modern day debtor's prison. So Joe Biden and his campaign support bailing out the same type of people that killed David Dorn. That's the Biden campaign. 
I thought the president was very effective in calling it the Biden-Bernie manifesto. It also creates some tension between the Bernie base and Joe Biden. The one thing that I think the president needs to zero in on more in kind of his future addresses, which will be tomorrow because he can't, he does not stop. Movement is life for him. He continues to campaign is to do more of an appeal for the Bernie Sanders voters to come over. He did a really good job of that in 16. I think he needs to reinforce that even more. I'm going to tell him that both privately and publicly. Again, I thought the speech was phenomenal. I'm not saying this is a criticism, just an add-on. And also, breaking news tonight, President Trump has successfully flushed Joe Biden out of the basement. Breaking tonight, the president actually has making Joe Biden campaign. Escape from Wilmington. This is the front page of Politico. Escape from Wilmington. Biden set to finally hit the trail. Criticized for hibernating in his basement. The Democrat nominee said he'll start traveling likely after Labor Day. The president of the United States has officially forced Joe Biden into the campaign ring. No longer is this a referendum against President Trump. No longer is this just, do you like Trump or not? Now, this is going to be a choice, America. A choice between a campaign that bails out the terrorists of our cities. A choice between a campaign that stands for law enforcement, that stands around people like Elon Omar, or stands around people like the widow of David Dorn. Senator Tom Cotton was also very effective tonight. It was a foreign policy takedown you'll rarely ever see. Uh, Joe Biden is simply awful on foreign policy, and Secretary of Defense uh, Secretary Defense Gates said of Biden, quote, Biden has been wrong on nearly every major foreign policy issue and national security issue over the last four decades. Alice Marie Johnson was phenomenal tonight. She's the first beneficiary of the First Step Act, 22 years in prison, and it was not wasted. And the, pre- and the President of the United States pardoned her while Joe Biden put her in prison and Barack Obama refused to pardon her. Also breaking today was Nancy Pelosi advocates for Joe Biden to not debate Trump. We knew this was coming. We knew the trial balloons were already launched. We knew the Democrats do not want Joe Biden to actually get in front of Donald Trump. Email me your questions, everybody. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. It's 1.30 Eastern. I avoided a mob, had to wait about an hour to get out of the White House. I wanted to make sure I delivered you guys instant analysis of kind of some of the thoughts and the analysis that's just deeper than Trump, good. Democrats, bad. We, of course, believe that, but we go a level deeper here on The Charlie Kirk Show. And for those of you that want a signed copy of The Maga Doctrine, email us right now, freedomatcharliekirk.com. Question from Finn. Congratulations, you just won a signed copy of the New York Times bestseller, Maga Doctrine. Since President Trump is the bodyguard of Western civilization, when can we expect, what can we expect to happen in the next four years if Trump is reelected to change or diminish the growing anti-American, anti-Western ideology? School choice, which President Trump talked about, American exceptionalism curriculum, And I actually think that it'll be such a death blow to the American left. Things will actually start to get back how they were before the left just fomented with rage that President Trump was president. I really do. I think it would be a death blow, metaphorically, to the American left. Here's one. Hi, Charlie. I'm a big fan from Cleveland, Ohio. A lot of the speeches from the RNC almost had me in tears. They were so moving. Which speech was your favorite? Keep up the good work. I loved Alice Johnson. It was one of my favorite speeches in the entire convention. I actually, my favorite speeches were the people that I almost grew up knowing. The Wisconsin dairy farmers, the Wisconsin metal sheet workers, the mayor from Minnesota. I know these people. I grew up in the industrial Midwest. I grew up in the suburbs of Chicago. I grew up just 30 minutes outside of southern Wisconsin. For me, that actually resonated the most. I I, I like the politician speeches. The president was, of course, awesome. I thought Melania was terrific. I thought the vice president was awesome. Madison Cawthorn, Kaylee McEnany, all very moving. 
But I really thought the everyday hero stories were terrific. They were off the charts. They were phenomenal. Here's a question. Hi, Charlie. I'm a high school student from Houston, Texas. I was taught from teachers that the Democrat Republican Party switched and the Democratic Party was not the party of the KKK and were not the ones that opposed the 13th, 14th, 15th Amendment. And that was, in fact, the Republican Party. I'm confused because I hear Republicans saying the opposite, which, which is the truth. Parties didn't switch. Your teachers are lying to you. Ask this question of your teacher. Which party cares more about race today, Republicans or Democrats? The answer is Democrats. Which parties cared about more about race in the 1860s? It's Democrats. Which parties care about more about race in the 1920s? Democrats. 1960s, race. The Dem- 1960s, Democrats. The Democrats have always cared more about race. They are a racist party. They're a party about keeping people down, keeping expectations down based on skin color, not allowing people to be liberated and actually vowing, the, actually protecting the rights of the individual and vying to protect for those rights. Democrats have never been about that. They've always been about racial identity politics, always have been. I'm going to do another deeper podcast on that. So before you fully answer your teacher, we'll do another podcast on that. But the Republican Party or the party of freeing the slaves, women's rights, 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment, and the Civil Rights Act. If that was true, why is it that as the South got considerably less racist, it got more Republican? If the Democrats were actually correct in their analysis, it would be the opposite. Lisa says this. Hi, Charlie. How can we keep this momentum and morale going until Election Day? How many people do you think will change from Democrat to Republican because of some of these powerful speeches of the RNC? Hundreds of thousands of people. The Republican National Convention was so good. And what will come out of it? As I believe Donald Trump will get a massive boost in the polls. And if we register our friends and family, if we confront micro tyranny, if we get active on social media, if we knock on doors, if you kind of own the precinct that you're in, think small before you think big, knock on your neighbor's doors, know how your family members are going to vote. That is how we are going to win this election. That is how we are going to make America strong and not give the keys over to the terrorist insurrection party, which is the Democrat Party. Here's from Bell. I hear a lot about mail-in and harvest voting. At what point do we, will we know if it will happen? My understanding is that Pelosi becomes president. This is not true. Okay, people talk about this. It will not take till January 20th to get a president. Okay, it's not. And if it does, then I'll be the first one to say I'm wrong. But the Supreme Court will probably not let that happen. Almost assuredly will not let that happen. Everybody, there's so much happening in our country right now. I want to answer your questions. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. Freedom at CharlieKirk.com. For those of you that are watching on Facebook, There's an easily accessible link right there in the Facebook description for the first 15 people right now that press that that link for the Apple podcast link, subscribe and screenshot it and show that you're subscribed to us, freedom at charliekirk.com. We give you a signed copy, the New York Times bestseller, The MAGA Doctrine. Charlie, with current momentum, what is the chance the Republicans take control of the House and will the Senate stay in GOP control? I think the Senate will. I think it's ever increasingly likely that Republicans might take over the House. I really do. I think that Republicans are winning support, building momentum, and I think that Republicans have a better chance than ever before to win back the House. Everybody, I also want to say you guys got to get involved with Turning Point USA, tpusa.com, tpusa.com to bring the fight to college campuses. If you're an adult out there watching this, you want to help save the next generation, go to tpusa.com right now, tpusa.com. The president delivered a phenomenal address. I had the opportunity to open the convention. I said that President Trump is the bodyguard of Western civilization. And I saw him standing on that stage in front of the White House as he closed the convention, the beginning and the ending. And he truly is the bodyguard of Western civilization, fighting for our rights, fighting for our history, fighting for the Judeo-Christian ethic, fighting for freedom of speech, for dialogue, 
for private property rights, for a strong America, for strict immigration, for middle-class workers, bodyguard of Western civilization. It's exactly what he did tonight. He talked to the American people in stoic fashion. And he said, don't give power to the people that want to bitterly destroy our country. We're going to talk more about how you guys can get involved and get engaged in getting President Trump four more years. But your call to action is everyone in your sphere of influence, ask them who they're voting for, persuade them to vote for President Trump and the Republicans. Stop the arson, stop the terror, vote Republican, four more years of President Trump. Email me your questions, everybody. Freedom at charliekirk.com, freedom at charliekirk.com. Thanks so much for watching. It's almost 2 a.m. on the East Coast. We got to get another podcast produced for you guys and edited. God bless you and consider going to charliekirk.com support. If you guys want to help financially support the production of our team, we care so much about our listeners and our viewers. We want to make sure we got this in for you. It was the American dream embodied and personified that myself, a 26-year-old, could open this convention, be front row on the White House lawn, looking at that bodyguard of Western civilization and saying, only in America is a story like mine possible. And I, th- I have you guys to thank for it, for supporting me, for sharing my content, and for listening for what, everything that we do. God bless you guys. Stay tuned to The Charlie Kirk Show. We have two episodes tomorrow, one on Saturday, one, one on Sunday, two on Monday. We're not resting. We know that you guys won't either. We have a republic to save. What a week. President Trump is going to surge in the polls. We have work to do. God bless you. Talk to you soon. We begin today's meditation with a few sipping exercises to remind us a little treat can go a long way. So pick up your McCafe iced coffees, close your eyes, and deep sip in. And deep satisfaction out. Ah. Take a treat retreat at McDonald's. Right now, get a McCafe iced coffee in any size and any flavor for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. Price of participation may vary.